Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and I'm also standing in shame. <laughs> Today, we are talking about Minute 91, which begins with Fury pitching The Avengers Initiative and ends with Tony walking out. Back on the show, we have Lachlan Teal from the Quiet On Set Podcast. Hello, Lachlan. Hello, fellas. Thank you for having me back again for another dramatic minute. So dramatic. So dramatic. Ugh. Yeah, this is uh, this is a good one. And it's, I mean, we're just, we're in monologue territory as we listen to Fury. He started it in the last minute and continues it in this minute, and we'll have the end of it in the next minute. Uh, it's quite the long pitch that we have here. But this, I mean, you know, it plays well. And, you know, I was trying to remember, is have we had many long monologues in this film so far, Pete? Do you recall? No, no. I don't think so. This movie's this movie's a blitzkrieg of dialogue. This isn't. There's, there's no like. It, this is all banter, man. This is this is the first time we've had characters say more than one line, including a breath break. Like that's. I don't know if it's quite that, <laughs> but it's there. Definitely has been um, a lot of a lot of conversation, not as much monologuing. But I feel like we've had some. But to that end, I did think that one of the interesting things about this minute is, aside from Fury's long monologue, we actually have one of the longest shots in the film. I believe this is from you know, good, looking at Cinemetrics, one of our favorite sites, Pete. Uh, Cinemetrics LV. You can kind of look at films and they've they've tracked the length of all the shots and this looks to be the second longest shot in the film running about 28 seconds long Wowzers. 28 seconds of fury 28 seconds it's a great i mean it's a great shot you know we have this yeah. fantastic shot that uh starts on tony as fury kind of walks in from the other side of the table and the camera uh tracks uh, to the left around the table as Fury kind of continues walking, eventually landing at the chair between Steve and Tony as he kind of continues talking. It's nice. It's a really well-constructed shot. And this is kind of one of those points in the film where a shot like this allows the actors to act. And I think that's one of the valuable things in a monologue like this, where we really get to look at, particularly in this long shot, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as he's kind of putting on this performance listening to him. I mean, you know, we're talking in yesterday's minute a little bit about the pitch to Tony, because we kind of certainly had the cards as kind of Fury's direct pitch to to Steve. But what does this say about how he's approaching this conversation with Tony? He just got to let it sit with Tony. Tony's like pasta. You got to let it boil and then you got to put it all your all of it in and just let it sit there until it's ready. And that's what he's doing with uh, Tony here. He's talking about all of the discussions he's already had. Tony's read all of the files. He's he's the most knowledgeable person in that room other than Fury. And he's just ready to to crack Tony into becoming this team member who has a bajillion dollars, which is going to be great for Fury's funding. And it's it's such a good shot. We know that Downey can, can perform and act. And this is my favorite part of this moment, mainly, well, second, I'll get to my first in a minute. But Tony is just, this is his sad point. And he is the bubbly 
Tony Stark. And later on in the MCU, we obviously see a more broken down Tony. But this is this is the tipping point for him into what could be a very deep and dark progression to a, a, a quite a deep sadness. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think this is the like th- this is a perfect pair of minutes because yesterday was the pitch to cap yeah. with the bloody cards. That's that was the cap pitch. And this is the Tony pitch. I'm going to stand behind you and shame you <laughs> into recognizing <laughs> what is happening right now. And so I, I was listening to so this week's uh, Smartless podcast. The Russo brothers were on the on Smartless and they made some interesting comments about uh, about Civil War because they had this idea for Civil War and had to go pitch Tony, right? They had to go pitch Robert Downey Jr. to see if he wanted to come in and essentially be the antagonist, to <laughs> be the bad guy to Captain America. And this scene makes me think about that conversation, about having to go make a case to the guy who plays this part because this guy has taken such inseparable ownership of the role. Even at this point, like Robert Downey Jr. is inseparable from Tony Stark. I think he made that case beautifully in Iron Man and continues it here and just punctuates it. He's just like, this is who he is and this is who he's going to be until the character is is done. And and I, I think it's really lovely that we get that sequence and he's not in a suit, right? We get to see how inextricable his identities are from one another, regardless of whether he's wearing the Iron Man armor. The the moment plays really well. And I, I mean, yeah, I think Robert Downey Jr. really, he knows how to tap in, as you were just saying, like he is so much this character, this character is so much him. But and, and so because of that, he really is able to just emote and, and provide everything that we need for this moment to kind of carry the weight. I do like that Fury actually does approach a few different angles with him. One, talking about the Avengers initiative. And I, I like how he even throws this in. There was an idea. Stark knows this. Stark knows like, this. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like yeah. he's already in on all of this and, yeah. <laughs> as like a little way to say, yeah, he's he's been around for a while to have been clued in enough. And uh, and so there's this element to kind of that being a, an interesting way to kind of dig at him. Like you already knew I was trying to do this, and you're you've been working at subverting me. Like I don't know. There's something interesting about the way he does that. And then toward the end of this minute, and toward the end of this shot, this is where he comes at it from the personal angle, and he brings up Phil again. Phil Coulson died believing, still believing in that idea in heroes which is what kind of gets him to stand up and walk out and it's it's an interesting way to kind of hit at him at first was just like you know the information like he's he already is he knew about the team but then to kind of tie into this personal angle especially and i don't know if fury knew all of the stuff like you know how much of a relationship phil and pepper already had and all of the stuff going on with the cellist in portland and that that's that tony was just like yeah i'll fly up to portland like really like trying to angle in on the friendship that that he and pepper already had but it does feel so interesting that he now decides to use Phil as kind of that anchor point for his direct pitch to to Fury or to Tony here. Phil's Phil's death is literally like a like a revolver for for Fury. He's just flinging it. Hopefully, some shot lands, and he's just like, "This is just perfect ammunition for getting these guys on board." There, there is a. 
to- uh, Fury has thrown a bus, and then Tony is now underneath it because he's like, Stark knows this. He he knows what's going on here, and and you can see it's such a subtle thing that uh, Robert Downey Jr. does when Fury's walking around. His his eyesight just changes, so it's not at Fury anymore. When he walks around him, he kind of walks into his peripheral vision. Then Tony looks away because he just he can't handle Fury talking to him face to face. It would have been a much more aggressive scene if Tony was watching Fury looking at him through this scene, but he's not. He's he, Fury's in the background, Tony's looking away, he's processing this. Yeah. Well, especially like it feels like the moment he stands up is the moment he recognizes he has no fight. Yeah. He has nothing because he knows Fury is is on on a very important level. Fury is right. Yeah. And that he has been an obstructionist, Tony, to this whole initiative. And had he maybe been on board a little bit more, a little bit more aggressively, a little bit earlier, then they could have been ahead of it. That's what the minute represents to me. Especially pitching that that Stark knows this, this idea that I've been trying to build this team. And I mean, he's even saying he's coming out. He's like, yes, we were going to build an arsenal. Sure. I acknowledge that. Yes, we were building weapons of mass destruction. But... I had this other thing that I was really hoping to do. Now, again, the argument always comes back to why does Fury just not come clean from the beginning with everybody and make all of this so much easier? But, you know, that's not how Fury operates. And so here he is now trying to, uh, you know, do this other thing. And, and like Stark, you knew I was trying to make this team and you've been working against it. You've been trying to subvert all of this instead of working with us. And so, like, really putting a lot of that blame back on Tony for everything that's happened up to this point. Not just, I mean, yes, Phil is dead, but they've also, like, the team has fallen apart. You know, they've lost Banner. They've lost Thor. The Tesseract is gone. Like, all of these different things perhaps could have been uh, avoided had even just Tony, who was, again, he knew that they were trying to build this team— had worked more in favor of the team instead of being in uh, in adversity to it. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. It did make me question, though, why is Tony the only one that knows about the Avengers Initiative? Like, isn't that something that, like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like they all knew that. Like, I mean, they, they were coming here to be part of this team. Wasn't that a whole thing? And, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think if they could make the case that somebody didn't know about the Avengers initiative, that that would be Thor, who's right. not in the room. Right. And, and like, who just showed up on lightning and was who never just actually... showed up on lightning <laughs> on a plane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thor's not even in this realm right now, but it, I would have been right. surprised if somehow he knew, like he just like uh, Heimdall was just whispering <laughs> into his ear. Hey, there's the Avengers Initiative. I can see it. It's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going. I'm going. I'm in. <laughs> I love the idea that Heimdall is the one who's like, Yeah, you should do that. Hey, you know, yeah. that looks like it might yeah. be fun for you. Yeah. You say you've been looking for clubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that paints such an interesting picture for Thor. It's just like I'm just tired of these these same Asgardian groups here. Where can I find something a little different? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man. Uh, well, okay. So as far as the pitch, I mean, what do we think? How how do we feel they're reacting? As far as is Steve buying into this pitch? Is it working on him? And uh, then also, is it working on Tony? I don't think we ever get to see until Steve commits 
right? I don't. I mean, Tony. I feel like his his abrupt stand and march, uh, you know, move is it, something worked on him to move him to action. But Steve doesn't do. We don't actually get to see Steve do anything, right? He just sits. All of this really. Maybe this is a question for the you know our conversation that we're going to be having um, in the coming minutes because yeah. you know Tony, as we'll find out goes to the detention center where the cell is no longer there, where Phil's blood is on the wall, where there's a big blast hole, all that stuff. So he's going to go here and kind of mull all of this over. And then, you know, Steve is going to come find him and they'll have their conversation that, of course, is going to be, I suppose, the catalyst that gets them both into action. Yeah. Uh, But it does make me wonder, like, as this is all, uh, you know, I mean, we don't get quite the end of this conversation. You know, we just get this minute lands with uh, him saying Phil Coulson died, still believing in that idea in Heroes. And then Tony stands up and walks out. We don't actually get to finish the 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 conversation here. But it is an interesting moment where it does leave you wondering, like, is Steve buying this? Like, uh, does he want to see all this come uh, to fruition? And I feel like, I don't know. I guess the way that I end up reading it is Tony isn't quite there yet, and he needs a little more time to think on it, which is why he leaves. Whereas Steve, I think, may have the shift in his head beginning. And I think that's why we end up having this the coming scene where he's now the person who really is kind of pitching Tony. Yeah. Tony's a, a solo thinker, though. That's the thing. Tony's always been by himself. So I feel like him standing up on the best part of the entire speech where he says heroes, it would have been totally different if he didn't stand up and or just stood up at a different word, right? Uh, if he stood up at Phil, yeah. it would have been like, that's less dramatic, but he stood up at heroes. That's the best part about this whole moment is that he's rising to the occasion to be a hero. He has to think about it. He's That's why he's going away. He's got to think about it. But Cap's always been in groups. Cap's always been a group thinker. So he's staying there. The only part that I have with this minute is, or it's at least that first cut away from that one really good long shot, is that it cuts to Captain America in the tightest shirt in his closet, and it kind of <laughs> takes me away from the scene where it's just all of a sudden two pectoral muscles are just on there with a sad Captain America face. It's like, ugh. Oh, he's thinking about it, but he's looking good. Yeah. I do. I I do. Speaking of Tony's uh, lift is like I love the way it's framed because it's, of course, that that high angle. But also on Heroes, he's he's in this shot with with Fury and he replaces Fury. Right. He stands up and covers Fury and the shot cuts Fury out of the picture and gives Tony that solo hero shot. That is uh, I, I think it's really it's wonderful and dramatic and and beautifully architected camera work and he doesn't blink yeah he's very intense dead on the eyes are just locked on as he stands up doesn't blink a single moment in that entire shot and then he walks away and it's like Oof, he's he's thinking about it this is a perfect example of the importance of filmmaking and something that you know I don't know if we've talked about a lot over the course of this film, but it certainly is, um, as you look at a variety of films, you can certainly see when filmmakers are really using the the cinematic tools to the best of their potential. And it can be a challenging uh, task to figure out how do I structure this shot so it's not just cut from this face to that face to this face to that face. What can I do with the camera and the movement 
to design this in a way where it gives it a little more life and and meaning. And that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges for filmmakers is finding these moments. And it's it's whether it's like, do we have a full 28-second tracking shot as, as Fury walks around a table, or do we have a dramatic uh, shot of, of Robert Downey Jr. as he stands up and gets in front of uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson? And like, how do we think about the these tools and the ways to kind of make them mean something as opposed to just cut, cut, cut? It's it's a simple scene that we have here. I mean, really, just these last two minutes, it's just been these, I mean, largely, it's just been Nick Fury in his monologue as he's talking to these two other people. But we're getting so much with these other characters because of the way the shots are constructed and then the performances. Yeah. This is why some filmmakers really excel at the work that they do. They're asking with the movement shots to look at the scene and then the locked off shot with Tony. They're like, look at Tony, focus on Tony. This is where you need to be right now. Don't look at the rest of the room, focus on Tony. And that's just such powerful filmmaking. Definitely. Yeah. This is pretty much the end of this minute as Tony rises and has his uh, moment and then walks out and we see fury looking at him as he leaves, uh, and Steve also kind of watching. And Maria, way in the distance, <laughs> still there. <laughs> She's actually further back now, even further back than where she was in the <laughs> previous <keeps> scene. <laughs> Just go, slowly keep stepping backward. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is a, it is a great minute, uh, and it's a great conversation. This, this low point, this is kind of the end of, we're, we're, nearing the end of act two getting ready to shift in act three and it's kind of the traditional low point in the story for our characters and you know it's effective i think they did a good job here yep uh any last thoughts about anything going on here or should we wrap things up for today i guess there's not really a samuel jackson movie without him having a monologue it's uh, got to be in his contract at this point that he has to do a scene, and I feel like he was building up to this. He was ready for this. He was excited for this because <laughs> he, he knows that he's the most important man in the room right now, and without Fury, without Samuel Jackson, uh, there would be no Avengers. Uh, he is bringing them together. To quote Loki from many, many scenes and many, many minutes ago, uh, he called them lost creatures, and uh, I really like how Fury is, you know, herding these lost creatures into this initiative and that's this these whole two minutes it's why i picked them it's like this is so much fun to see him molding them into the heroes he wants them to be yeah absolutely you know we haven't really had a chance to chat with you before uh lachlan so what, what what's your stance on kind of the the films of the marvel cinematic universe are you a, a big fan do you have uh you know high points and low points uh, where do you sit with all of this I'm, i wouldn't say i'm a a, a, a massive nerd when it comes to marvel itself but i went and saw the avengers in cinemas when i was fairly young i'm only i'm only 23 and i saw them in cinemas uh when i was like 12 13 years old so for me it's sculpted my childhood and i've had these movies while i was growing up so that's that's been the most exciting part for me and that's why i've kind of kept on because it's this massive universe. Unfortunately, I've, I've fallen off fairly recently. I'm, I'm yet to see... I've seen Guardians 3, but I haven't seen Ant-Man yet, uh, which is the second most recent one at time of recording. I'm yet to see Ant-Man, and it's the only one where I've just fallen off and I haven't seen it yet with uh, the amount of 
content coming out of the MCU. I struggle to kind of keep up with it now, but this part, uh, everything in these sort of era, I love. I just it just brings back so many fond memories because they're so much fun, right? They're just so much fun to watch. Do you have a favorite? Like, if you could pick your top five, what would you say they are? Oh man, that's uh, that's <laughs> gonna be. Oh, there's so many now that you know when you if you thought about it when Avengers came out, you're like pick your top five and you can just bang them out straight away. But now you've right, got right, right. so much to kind of uh, include. I would say that at, at number one, I would say it would be Civil War. I just so much about that film is just spot on, uh, and for me. Iron Man is my favorite hero out of the MCU. It's such a fun character. I love how he's such a a, a douche, but at the same time, uh, <laughs> he, he evolves into his less douchey ways and obviously has, in my opinion, one of the best superhero arcs that I don't think they're going to be able to copy uh, ever again. I feel like they use the whole Iron Man arc and they won't be able to duplicate that with anybody else, but... Yeah, I, I don't think I could give you a top five right now because I would have to, like, process... The, let me go watch them all. Yeah, sure, sure. And I'll get back to you, okay? <laughs> so give, give me about Sounds three good. months to go watch them all, and I'll get back to you on, on what's my favorite. <laughs> Sounds good. We got a deal. All right. Well, it has been fantastic talking with you. We'll have you back in minute 99 uh, in uh, a couple weeks. So we're certainly looking forward to that. Uh, why don't you tell everybody again, though, about your podcast and where they can tune into uh, the stuff you're doing out there. Uh, yeah, I co-host the Quiet On Set podcast. Uh, we do everything that's coming out in cinemas. Uh, you can pretty much find us anywhere. Uh, we do video content on YouTube, down to the audio content if you want to listen to us while you drive. But uh, anything and everything that comes out in cinemas, we try to cover Fairly recently soon, we're going to be heading off to the Cannes Film Festival to cover all of those new goodies that are coming out, such as, what's coming out there? Indiana Jones? Ooh, that sounds like a good one. Another fun <laughs> Indiana Jones old man running around. Legacy parade. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, certainly looking forward to that. Check the podcast out, everybody. It's a good one. And uh, that's it for today. So, Lachlan, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. And we'll be back tomorrow with another guest for Minute 92. So, Pete, thanks as always. Oh, Andy, tomorrow, the impotence of Thor, the nudity of Banner. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>